Welcome, everyone, to the MMOs.com podcast. Altai here with episode number 200, and I'm joined this week by the one, the only... Remo. There it is. A big surprise guest for you guys. Remo Tay in the flesh. Remo Tay. Here on the stream, guys. All right? What a shock. Our 200 episode special, okay? (laughs) There it is. Listen. 200 is just, listen guys 200 is just a number it's like age is just a number all right it is it's true all right we should get we should get right to it the biggest and i think the most interesting story this week was actually a publication by the uk parliament okay the uk parliament did a did an investigative report and published a report titled financial harms of immersive technologies a very fancy title but of course, the premise of the article of the report was basically discussing loot boxes and microtransactions in online games, something we've talked about on the MOS.com podcast for quite some time. But I found this report particularly interesting, and it showed us uh, some granular detail on uh, at least a few companies, mainly uh, Jagex, because Jagex is actually based in the United Kingdom, and the report came out of the UK government. Of course, they asked uh, Jagex some questions about RuneScape, and I found some of these numbers to be pretty interesting. Do you want to go over them? Uh, well, we know that... For example, one third of revenue for now for Jagex comes from loot boxes. So remember, RuneScape is still a subscription game. It does offer a free version, but you're very very limited. It's just it's a very low skill cap. Um, mm-hmm. So the majority still comes from subscriptions, but one third, which actually is bigger than I thought, honestly, for a subscription game. Mm-hmm. Now of that loot box money, uh, well, you want to, so people apparently do weird stuff with some of this microtransaction. Actually, oh, one more thing that I found amazing: they actually cap you. RuneScape has a cap. Mm-hmm. I th- I believe it's one thousand pounds um a week or month and then there's like there's an even bigger cap for the whole year yeah so the more the more interesting thing that people do with uh with the money in runescape is uh, first of all what's surprising is one third of revenues come from microtransactions and that's despite um old school runescape being by far the larger of the two games there's regular runescape and old school runescape old school runescape gets over 100,000 players daily concurrent users it's much more popular than regular runescape and the only microtransactions really in um in old school RuneScape are bonds. Players can basically purchase subscriptions using, you know, you know uh, with in-game currency with bonds. So you buy a bond from from Jagex for like fifteen dollars, and then you can sell it in-game, which is redeemable for you know in-game premium currency, premium time. So basically, it lets you transfer US dollars to in-game currency and buy uh, through that. And regular RuneScape, on the other hand, is very much a pay-to-win game. It is very much uh, you can spend basically thousands of dollars, skipping a lot of content, getting experience, leveling up skills. It's actually almost like um. A lot of those browser strategy games we've discussed because there are so many ways to spend money in regular RuneScape and they're making a fortune off the microtransactions in regular RuneScape. And more interestingly, though, there's, less, there's some interesting gambling mechanics in RuneScape that I never even knew about until this report came out. There's something in RuneScape called staking. And apparently, here's a video I'll take you to show people. Basically, in this video, people are, are, are doing something called staking in the game. They're betting on the outcome of duels. Okay, so you can bet in-game currency on the outcome of duels. And apparently, in this one video alone, According to the UK report, and people that have played RuneScape can confirm this or not, people are betting apparently um, 20 plus billion units of gold through white prisms, which are worth about like 25 units each. So every single one of these duels are worth like up to $1,000 worth of in-game currency, apparently, uh, based on the UK report. So this guy says staking has ruined my life. And in this video, he's, he's betting you know, thousands of dollars to the outcome of these duels. And what's remarkable is duels in RuneScape aren't entirely uh, a skill base. I mean, there's a, there's a certain skill, you know, uh, ceiling in the game that once you're able to at least play not like a retard, for example, 
the outcome of these duels are basically 50-50. The person who wins is almost entirely determined by RNG. Skill plays a minimal role, especially when both players are about equally skilled. It's basically a 50-50 coin toss. People are betting on the outcome of duels. And people are betting thousands of dollars through in-game RNG mechanics in RuneScape, which is remarkable. Yeah, and and I think the way the, I think I think these people are intentionally all using the same weapon. It seems so. I think they're intentionally trying to make it like a fifty-fifty mm-hmm. uh, duel. So they're not moving around. So I, I don't think I think they're intentionally removing skill from the equation. So <laughs> Which this is pretty. Is, this is gambling. Yeah, this is a very intentional uh, gambling uh, mechanism system that these players are engaging in within the game. So again, people are buying bonds and or basically they're betting you know real life money worth of currency in game, which is remarkable. You know they're staking thousands of dollars on these duels. And in that one video alone, there's, there's so many duels being done. Uh, I do enjoy the comments. Like the top comment is, "You are fucking autistic," and it is very entertaining. All right, <laughs> that's my favorite comment of this video. So it's just remarkable how much money is is being used to bet in these games. And I do think um, ultimately ultimately the report itself concludes basically that they have to find a way to get loot boxes out of the hands of miners because miners are getting used to gambling or gambling mechanics in these games, whether it's through the FIFA loot boxes, whether it's through dueling, staking in RuneScape or, or anything else. But what's, what's even more remarkable about RuneScape is the game is a very thriving betting ecosystem. So if you Google, uh, for example, on Google, just basically RuneScape betting, there are websites you can bet on uh, various casino games. So if you go to, example, Big Boy Bets, all right, great boy. name, by the way. You know, big boy bets. Good. For, we're gonna highlight you guys on the most that kind of stream because you, you, you're the number two search result on Google. Players can make accounts on here basically, and uh, it looks like you can bet on. Po- you can play poker with other players. You can do roulette and other you know casino games where there's blackjack and whatnot. And apparently, the way you're betting is you're betting in-game currency. So they've they've apparently gambled four four ninety million million gold so far on their website. So I imagine you go to, once you make an account with them, you go to their cashier. And you can actually, uh, you can transfer money, you can deposit money in game, to the, to them through I guess one of their characters in game, either send the money in game or some some way to transfer money to their in game bots, and then that registers you on their website. And you can gamble with those goods, which is which is interesting. There's a lot of, there's several websites for betting with RuneScape currency, on these uh you know, third party websites. What's interesting though is um, you would think if Jagex gave any fucks about this, this is very easy to stop. I mean. All you have, all you would have to do is, if you're Jagex, is you would deposit money on one of these websites to their in-game, their in-game bots, uh, and just literally ban the account that receives it, and you're done. You know, you just basically stop their tracks. But of course, Jagex benefits financially by allowing these third-party gambling websites because kids, you know, that play RuneScape clearly get addicted. So some 14-year-old gets addicted to, to blackjack, you know, or he's shooting craps on his bullshit website with his RuneScape money, and he loses all his money. What's he gonna do? Hey, mom, can I get, can I spend ten dollars on RuneScape? Oh, it's a video game. Sure, why not? And the kid is going to buy a bond in RuneScape, which he can sell in game for 10 million gold or 20 million gold, you know, in game gold, and he'll deposit that 20 million gold on RuneBet or Big Boy Bets, RuneChat, RuneScape Gambling, all these websites except in game currency. So when the, the parents are thinking they're paying money for RuneScape, right? But really, they're just literally funding, you know, potentially their kid's blackjack addiction. A roulette or, or, table. Or a roulette table. Because that's where the RuneScape gold is going, which is, which is remarkable because well, it, it just, I, don't, I haven't seen this in WoW or other games. I mean, sure, you can do like slash random and wow, but you can't advertise that in game. And if there's any third party website that lets you bet like or, or play blackjack with in game gold and wow, I mean, it's very easy to stop. Blizzard could easily just ban the accounts associated with those websites and done. You know, they're shut down. But apparently, Jax doesn't care. And what's interesting about this is, first of all, it shows the value of a government kind of inquiry, uh, inquiry on, mm-hmm. this, on an industry like this. Because after all, the, I actually didn't know. I didn't know how big of a deal gambling was in RuneScape, right? And. 
So after this report came out, the UK, you know, members of parliament are basically now calling for a blanket ban on loot boxes for kids, aimed at kids. And he, uh, until they can kind of regulate this because they're very, they were so shocked how willfully obtuse and you know, non-transparent these gaming companies were being with the, mm -hmm. you know, with the government, with the public. And so they, I think and it, it, it brought to light some huge, you know, issues with a game that's specifically aimed for kids, right? RuneScape. Mm -hmm. Um so it is interesting. I do think more regulation will follow uh, both in Europe and America because inquiries like this. And as somebody in the chat said, uh, it's interesting. If that 49, 490 million, uh, million bet is uh, accurate, that's about 58 million U.S. dollars of bets taken. Wow. Which is the whole, it's believable. Here's why. Oh, yeah, because it's yeah, not, yeah, it's, it's yeah the, 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 same, the same money is changing hands. So if, if I bet $100 worth of RuneScape gold in a hand of blackjack and I win, I can just bet 100 again and I might lose. So I bet now $200 worth of betting for a wash, one win, one loss. So the total nominal amount may seem very high. You know, but accounting for all the wins and losses, it might end up being very small. Let's assume a good way to look at it too is actually maybe if you look at the total bets, let's say they have about 3% house edge overall. So we can multiply the 58 million by 3%. They made, the website made about 1.7 million in gross profit basically on, on their gambling activities from all their users. So that's a better way to look at it. I mean, it's still a lot of money for one website. You know, we don't know if they're the biggest website. I mean, they're actually not the first one on Google for it. There's something called RuneBet as well. There's a bunch of these websites. So and somebody said, the, according to inquiry, only 3% of kids between 12 to 16 use third-party betting websites. Man, that's just third-party. There are players in-game that can do slash random and stuff. They, they can basically gamble in-game with the, the the staking mechanic or other ways as well. I mean, for example, in Final Fantasy XIV, I run my in-game casino, which is allowed in Final Fantasy XIV. Which sometimes I wonder, like... I, sometimes even Rima wonders if he's doing uh, quite a service to the community by allowing this kind of gambling. Because I do see, and I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, I do see addictive tendencies developing. I mentioned in previous podcast, one guy now asked me, like, listen, I have an addictive personality. Can you just not let me play in your casino anymore? Can you ban me from your casino? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. You can't play in my casino anymore. If you ask me, I'm like, no, you can't play. You asked me to ban you. You can't play. And this guy, he's he's trying to tell me in, in Final Fantasy IV, this after you lost like 15, 20 million gold, uh, gil to me in game, which is worth probably like 50, 60 bucks. Not a lot of money, right? 60, 70 bucks. And he told me like, Every time you, you know, he, he gets tempted to go to casinos in real life and he loses like thousands of dollars in real life from like his compulsive gambling and his inability to, for self-control. So I, I, he's clearly old enough to gamble, right? If he's losing money in casinos. But not everybody's like that. I mean, I, I see people gambling with me in Final Fantasy XIV and they have addictive personalities. I mean, the same people, people, will be, I, I've had customers of Final Fantasy XIV gamble with me for like 100,000 gil, which is nothing. It's, it's, a, it's a fun amount that you gamble with, right? For like a month, right? They'll bet small amounts here and there. And then all of a sudden, like the next week, he comes, he comes to me and bets like 5 million gil. Like, or he, he starts bet, he, he starts losing, tries to win it back. And people that would normally only bet a very small amount end up betting very large amounts. So I can see people, I can see the effect of gambling on people. And it's, it, it's, it is interesting to observe. Now, I don't, I don't particularly feel bad about it, only because I do offer, I think, the best odds uh, in Final Fantasy. On Gilgamesh, listen. If they're not if they're not losing their money to Rima, I got Rima, the best cocaine. Okay, I don't feel. Bad. I got exactly did, but it's the best cocaine. Out, if they're out not there. buying my shit, they're buying someone else's shit, which they're gonna get ripped off even more. Okay, I got I got the I got twelve percent house edge. My competitors got 16 percent house edge. If they don't lose their money to Remo, they will lose their money to somebody else. All right, so that's why I don't feel bad about it. But I, it is remarkable to see, and this is a game where it's allowed. You know, in World of Warcraft, for example, you were not allowed to advertise any kind of player casinos, though they're not forbidden, which is interesting because. I thought about running a casino in Classic WoW because you can't advertise it as we run on Discord. So as long as people like if people come, to, if you make like a Discord channel and people find it and they agree to bet with you, you just do you just talk on Discord. Say, okay, you, you give me like 10, 10 gold, 
you roll over 60, I, I double your money, right? You just can't communicate the rules in game. It's not, but it's allowed. So you can't get reported for it. You cannot get reported for it. You just cannot advertise it in game or in guild chats or anything. But if they find you on Discord or some public WoW Discord, and you can even use, you know, slash random on Discord as well. Discord bots have random commands. So you could run a casino in Final Fantasy and in, uh, in World of Warcraft, just not in game. Interesting. I'm mm -hmm. sure somebody's going to be doing that, like a, a bot even. Mm -hmm. And and even like, it really just brings home just how much. Like, if you look at the monetization of the gaming industry in the last like 10, 15 years, with the with the, with the rise of free to play and loot boxes, the revenue per user has gone through the roof. I mean, companies like EA, uh, Activision Blizzard, all these giant game companies, Take Two, with you know a GTA, they are no longer selling you a six dollar product or a fifty dollar product, and that's it. You know, people say, oh, they still have DLCs and season passes. Not yet, but that's nothing, boys. Not, that, that doesn't scratch the surface. The money comes on the recurring revenue from the microtransactions. You know, these same companies, their, their revenues are going through the roof. They're, they're releasing less products in terms of like box sales, but they're making more money. They're getting more profitable because of uh, microtransactions. We see it firsthand on MMOs.com with uh, like we profit off of uh, like revenue share we make with some, some of these browser game companies. We 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 said it before. If you look on MMOs.com, we get fifty percent of the revenue share with uh with that Vikings game. Okay, I mean, let me let me you let me look you once again the most profitable game on MMOs.com. We have made more money from this bullshit game than we made off of our like three week launch deal with Black Desert Online, where they spent like Black Desert Online when they launched, boys. They spent like seven thousand dollars for like advertising on MMOs.com. That's nothing. We made more money off Vikings War of Clans from this page because we get 50% revenue share and we can see players that, that sign up from our link. They spend thousands of dollars. We get half of that. One guy spent $10,000. One guy. We got, we, we, we got, we got $5,000 of that. Can't complain, but it is remarkable that the people that spend money on these games, they spend so much money and we've seen the average revenue per users. I've talked to area games. I've talked to these, these big, game publishers game ago and stuff right because we do revenue share with them they tell us like basically advertising to us like listen promote our games on mmos.com and we'll give you like 20 percent of revenue share a 30 percent revenue share and and they pitch that with like they have to put some context on that number right they say our average user spends like area games i still remember to this day they told us our average paying user spends like eight hundred dollars eight hundred dollars for for area games the average remember that that's of the paying users so the average paying user for an old console game, it's 50 bucks. You can't spend anymore. But the average paying user for area, they, they had the shittiest games. They had Last Chaos. They had they had Shea. These Garbo games. You know, they're spending on average 800 bucks. That means half of them are spending more. It's crazy. You know, in, in, in one way, it's obviously crazy because these games look like nothing burgers. But imagine other hobbies, right? Like like golf. Uh, or I don't know. Some, they, I mean, or, or snowboarding. Every time you go, you're going to spend a couple hundred dollars, right? Whether you're renting the gear for the slope pass. And it, but but somehow it feels better than this, right? Why is that? Mm -hmm. Imagine this game is your know. hobby and you, you make a decent mm -hmm. income. Is that a problem? I, I don't think it is, but it does feel weird. It, it, I, I, I've, I've argued for a long time. I don't think it's a problem, but it, it does something about it feels off to me because I, I think I make a decent income, but I don't spend money on, on these kind of games. I don't mind spending money on things I enjoy. You know, I, I have no problem buying a game. You know, and if I buy like um, if I spend like five bucks on a, I think in the years I played Final Fantasy fourteen years. I bought one item or two items in the game's MOG station, their, their, their cash shop. For a total of, drumroll please, $10. That's all I've spent in the cash shop. It was for a nice outfit. You know, we have some people in this chat that I've mentioned they spent good money on some of these mobile games. Mm -hmm. And I think if you are okay with it, you know, it's one thing. But I do think a lot of people 
it is an addiction. Mm-hmm. And here's a, I can tell. I had a nor- very normy dinner once, mm-hmm. and this girl was complaining that uh, her friend was complaining that her the friend's boyfriend was spending hundreds of dollars a week on FIFA. And then, and then, and then uh, the friend said, "That's that's fine. It's his money. Why do you care? You know, it's his it's his hobby." And then mm-hmm. she said to me, "But don't tell anyone. He doesn't want anyone to know. He's ashamed." I'm like, "Well, that's a problem mm-hmm. then. Like, you know, how can you once say it's not a problem? It's his money." And then if he's himself ashamed of it, it's clearly a problem, right? Like he's not. I agree. If, if you're ashamed, then then it's clearly a problem. If you if you if you could tell somebody, listen, I love my fucking waifus in Fake Grand Order. I love my waifus in Azure Lane. I, I I love my my anime JPEGs. All right, and I, I don't mind spending five hundred dollars a month on rolling uh gotchas in Fake Grand Order or Azure Lane or you know Girls Frontline or any random gotcha game. If you can say that proudly, good for you. There's nothing to be ashamed. If, there's nothing to be ashamed of at that point. But if you're embarrassed to talk about your hobbies, then there's a problem, I think. Yeah, and it is... So someone said uh, they spent 845 euros over nine years in league. Somehow that feels to me less bad or not bad at all compared to like how fast the money goes in a lot of these browser uh, strategy games. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- that's an important point, too. People are mentioning like spending uh, like 500 bucks on a game. Listen, the numbers for Overwatch, for example, I don't think the average Overwatch player spends like $80 a month on uh, on their games, Right. I remember Area Games telling me specifically the average spend per month was over $100. So on average, they spent over $100 a month for eight months. That was like the life cycle, the lifetime value of their customers on average. So when you're spending over $100 a month on, on some bullshit game on areagames.com versus over nine years for League of Legends, come on. Nine years spending $800, that's, that's less than $100 a year. That's like sure. $7 a month, guys. That's, that's, like, that's like two lattes a month. Okay, that don't Nobody should feel bad about spending $1,000 over nine years on a game they've probably played you know, a thousand hours or, or if not way more than that, you know, that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with spending money on games you enjoy. It's obviously in moderation and what you can afford to do. You know, nobody should feel bad about spending a thousand bucks. There is, um, does, does anyone make a distinction between, um, I guess, positive spending versus uh, pressured spending? So in a game where you're enjoying it, right? And you just want more of an item. You want more skins, more characters, more roles. So you buy them. To me, that's a positive, right? Whereas a lot of these strategy browser games, I feel, are kind of designed to put you in a very high pressure uh, timed state. So imagine like mm-hmm. you're just you're, some guild is attacking your guild, and you're about to lose like you know weeks of progress. But you know all you gotta do is click this one button to auto build like a thousand people, but it's gonna cost you like a thousand dollars. But you only have like a minute to make that decision, right? Or else, you, or else you lost your base or whatever. Those browser strategy games, they do feel predatory because of yes, that, right? Yes. I, I see that, right? But interestingly, I think the gotcha game approach is actually working better lately. We've seen these, um, we have seen browser and mobile strategy games like Final Fantasy XV and New Empire, you know, the Game of War. Those games have made a lot of money. But the ones that are making more money, a billion dollars a year, games like Fake Grand Order, the gotcha games are actually amazingly successful. And I want to link you a video, Altai. And I, this is actually a very interesting video. I, I, I don't play these games too much myself. So I've actually been out of the loop. On a lot of gacha games. I mean, I know there's waifus in these games, right? I- I've known that for a long time. However, I didn't know they monetized quite like this. So my friend linked me this video for a skin they got in uh in Azure Lane. And like, oh my god, I-, I actually the story started. I'm not gonna name my friend, obviously, but the story started with um, you know, I'm I'm I- I'm embarrassed to admit, but I spent money on Azure Lane. Okay, it's a it's a it's a it's a waifu gacha game, right? And I'm like, did you see the skin you wanted? Like, yeah, I got the skin I wanted. I linked it. I linked it to you in an NSFW. They linked me to this in an NSFW chat because they didn't feel comfortable looking in a general Discord chat. And this is a skin they got. It's on YouTube, so it's allowed. So let's take a look at this video, Altai. 
All right, let's see. Oh, you, oh, oh, you linked me this. Okay, I saw. Yeah, this is amazing. This so from this the, the timestamp. Okay, I'm playing it. So this is a this is a skin or a mm -hmm. character. I think it's a skin for a character. Oh, okay, okay. So it's a bikini one, I guess. Yes. So it says your eyes are wandering. Hee <laughs> hee. What's on your mind? You can tell me. And you can see on the right side in the profile page. You can you can you can rub or special touch your character to special get the first touch. Uh, what does that even mean? What does that mean? Really now, Commander, understanding your eagerness, but there's a time and a place. No. Again, this is literally uh, just not, what. That is a good question, Kadesh. What is the spazzing icon on the left? It looks really cute, though. It's like a so, TB version, I guess, of the character. Mm -hmm. So you can basically you know, the default skin for this character is probably very busty and attractive too. But this bikini skin is exceptionally revealing, and her boobs are enormous and wonderful. And it's remarkable that in this, it's there's clearly gameplay here too. By the way, you know, in in Azure Lane, I actually think the gameplay. I tried to. I played this probably for like a couple hours. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into most mobile games. But I played the, the core gameplay in Azure Lane is actually, I would say, better than most gotcha games. It's kind of action-y. You have to actually move around manually, dodge attacks. So the core gameplay isn't terrible. It is remarkable that they realize where the money comes from. These, like, my friend was excited to get the skin so they can see all the art in game like this, right? Does it do anything besides the art? Like, Probably no, 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 no. Usually no. These almost what? never give you stat boost. They're just doing it for the art. There is a there is a connection between between the characters and the players, right? They're banking on this connection. And actually, this is probably not the best... The Azure Lane is probably not the best example, but keep it running in the background. But I was talking to Australia, right? And she was telling me that the game that probably mastered the connection between waifu and customer best is um is that game from Psy Games. It's Grand Blue Fantasy, right? So in Grand Blue Fantasy, during like the Valentine's Day events, if you spend enough money, if I remember correctly, if you spend enough money, you actually get a, a physical card in the mail signed by the character apparently okay obviously signed by the character of course probably some dude signing it or like some voice actor whatever right if you spend enough money you get like a picture of the character signed saying like very personal messages so that level of connection between the waifu in the game and their loyal customers they're monetizing that relationship really well people do clearly view it not just as a wife that there's some kind of you know some relationship there, which is interesting. I find it very interesting. She told me the details like about a year ago. I kind of forgot most of them now. If she was here, she would have clarified for us. But they do such a good job of building the story, the characters, the art, the waifu, the the, the bikini skins. Like th there's a story there. I, I still bizarre. love the fact that you can in this game you can do a special rub. You can do a rub or a special touch in this game. It's 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 so weird, isn't it? Very weird. Very weird. I think I'd rather catch my kid like smoking weed than like playing one of these games. Like, imagine, <laughs> imagine you walk in on your son, like fourteen, whatever, and he's on his phone, and you know, he, he's he's like facing away, so you see it on his phone. He's like, um, he's like, Dad, what are you? I was just looking at something. Someone leaked me. It's funny, right? <laughs> son, what's wrong with you? Son, just take a cigarette. Yeah, All right. <laughs> do something. Do something else. Here's a bottle of gin. Here's a pack of Marlboros. All right, go be normal. Uh, I think that's a good point. The Granblue also monetized the female. Yes, they do have uh, husbandos as well. Though it, it does seem like the, the majority of player base... Actually, no. Uh, Granblue Fantasy is actually one, uh, special in their regards. They have a larger... They have a big percent of, of female players, more so than other gacha games. It, I think there's still obviously more male players, but the, the percentage of male to female is actually skews higher for that game than other you know mobile uh, waifu games. And they do a good job of catering to their female player base as well with uh, husbandos. They they do a really good job of building uh, the relationship between waifu and player and monetize it really well. Uh, uh, this can we yeah. quote that please? The relationship between waifu and player. Yeah, again, it's it's remarkable. This is the this is monetizing better than the pay to win mobile strategy games. It seems there's there's more longevity here. Interestingly enough, this the, the, there's actually an art book for this game too. My friend linked me. Uh, look, 
I actually really think this game's got really pretty art, right? That character in particular in the video, I think is a... The, the boobs are a little too big, right? A man who appreciates some good lolly flat chest, it's a little too big boob for me. But if you look at their um, their art book, which is launching in October, I'll take a look at this art book. It looks pretty nice, right? Welcome to Akashi's Secret Storage. All right, let's see. How do I and see look, you, I'm just, just scrolling. You see the sample pictures. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, so I click, I click these? No. No, you can't. You can see them over there. But uh, I like the one on the right. You can see if you scroll down to the bottom, you can see a video as well. And happy one-year anniversary for Azure Lane. You can see, uh, just skim around. The game is uh, yeah, it's a waifu gacha game. I, I think the game actually has really good art, like really top tier artist. I, I don't, I'm not interested. I, I, I doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. This like anime art doesn't stuff. do it for you. Doesn't do it for you. Does it for me? Does it for Remo? I can see, but forget the sexual aspect. I, I just don't think it's a good art style. Like I, 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 I can't, I can't forget the sexual aspect. All right, there's quite a bit of, quite a bit of sexual aspect going on here. They added Kizuna AI to this game too. The that Japanese, uh, you know, AI YouTube not YouTube thing. I don't know. What, What's interesting to me is actually, oh, uh, go to, like, in this video, if you go to my favorite, go to 240, 243 and hit play. Two, look at the look at the cosplay. And then look at the big booby girl with the side boobs everywhere. Ooh, I like it. I like what I see. <laughs> it just looks right. cheesy. Like, it's just like cheap CGI. I don't know. All right. What's remarkable, too, for me is um, this game is actually Chinese. The, I bet you a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, Azure Lane is developed by a Chinese company. Both Azure Lane and Girls Frontline, uh, both uh, Girls Frontline is not nearly as popular, but both are waifu games, and they're both developed by Chinese companies. And we've seen Chinese companies um, kind of emulate the Japanese look. There's almost like a premium if your game is Japanese, right? So uh, I'm pretty sure both Azure Lane and Girls Frontline actually have uh, Japanese dubs in the game. They don't put Chinese dubs in the game. They put Jap even in the Japanese the Chinese version of Azure Lane, there are Japanese dubs by default. So there's this premium, like if you're an anime-looking game, Having the Japanese aesthetic is kind of like a premium. So, and, and a lot of these Chinese companies, I mean, Chinese companies copy a lot of things we've discussed in the past. And a lot of their PC copies and co clones don't really work out because people kind of see through the soulless behavior. But I have a theory, Altai. A lot of mobile games that Chinese companies rip off end up being good. I actually think Azure Lane is a good game for what it's trying to do. I think it's, it's one of the better waifu gacha games, right? The core gameplay is fine. The art is good. They did a really good job of emulating that like the fake grand order experience, right? They did a good job of emulating that. Oh yeah, I, I think the Chinese studios are learning very quickly, both in art mm -hmm. and game development. Like mm -hmm. uh, there was a there was a mobile MMO we both tried, Dawn Isles or something. Yeah, I believe it was by like Netties. Netties. Okay, mm -hmm. that game same same stick by the way. It was a Chinese developed game, Chinese studio, Chinese everything, but all of the audio was in Japanese. Mm -hmm. Is that it's pretty interesting? Um, yeah, I suspect in the years ahead, uh, if not, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many years, but we're gonna see more anime. Like it looks like anime come out of China than Japan. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's easier to copy the the mobile game design more than the PC game design because we've seen Chinese companies try to emulate, you know, like Western PC RPGs, and all we get are these really weird games like Revelation Online and Eternal Magic. These very funky, soulless, you know, grind fests. That's true. Also, it's just, it's just bigger now, so you have a lot more money. The bigger studios mm -hmm. are probably pouring into mobile. Mm-hmm. But these these games are it's remarkable. I I, I like the art in this game. I mean, this is on par with Fake Grand Order, I would say, or any of the you know premier Japanese gacha games. You know, being Chinese really isn't a downside for a game like Azure Lane. You know, you, you, they're giving their players everything everything you'd find in another you know traditional Japanese uh, you know gacha game. Even though gacha games are did they originate in Japan? Do you know, I'm pretty sure they get from gacha ponds. I mean, yeah, the term did. The term, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Azure Lane, boys. You want to get some big titty anime waifus? Check out Azure Lane. 
That art book has some quality art in it too, clearly. Here's something they're gonna sell. Oh, here's here's by the way, here's the here's the page if you want to see some samples of this. Scroll, look at this page. And then we can go to a different topic. Alright, what is the implication with that girl sucking on that ice cream, huh? With the a popsicle. There's no implication. Nothing sexual going on over there, boys. <laughs> Nothing sexual with this with this lolly character holding a, a a cold popsicle on the beach, right? Everyone who thinks anything dirty, you got something dirty in your own and, mind, and right? Palming the air, the phallic airplane. Yeah, Altai, this, you are just you have a dirty mind. Okay, this I is just an so. innocent girl at, at a nice hot day at the beach enjoying herself. All right, perfectly normal. It's only everybody in the chat trying to loot her. All right, that's it. Perfectly normal. I'm gonna save this picture for for later you know, for for some normal use later on. But nothing nothing, nothing lewd going on here. You know what'd be funny if China finally gets like America or the West to like ban anime. By going too far, like they do all this kind of Ooh. very suggestive. Like there's no, there's no. Oh, Japanese Jap animes have been very suggestive for a very long time. I all don't right? know. I think the Chinese are gonna take it like to the next step. Uh, freezing tag made my favorite comic. Acceptable. Would show all my friends. Yes, I love it. Exactly. I carry injustice, sir. We are. I, I, I'm a fe feminist when it matters. All right. Yeah, that's uh mobile mobile waifu games. All right, let's go to league for a minute. Ooh. All right. Also, big big story for this one. Yeah. Yes. It's a 10th anniversary coming up, October 15th. Mm -hmm. And they, in their announcement of the anniversary, they announced uh, that they have 8 million daily co peak concurrent players still. That's a, that's a big number. 8 million people are playing League of Legends right now, boys. That's actually remarkable because the last time we got an official statistic, I think, was in 2016. So it's been almost a little over three years, almost three years since we got a, a statistic from them before. And I think it was around 10 million or 7.5 million back then. So the number has definitely decreased a little bit. But... 10 years after launch, League of Legends still has 8 million concurrent users. Now, if that game was on Steam, it would have more players than the top 10 Steam games combined. Actually, it's like top 15 games combined today, which is remarkable for a 10-year-old for, you know, game. And people were saying League has been dead for a while now, right? Clearly not. 10 million? 8 million people? 8, 8 million is insane. Dead 8 game. million is insane. Dead game. That is absolutely nuts. Again, look at Steam China. right now. Someone said it does, yeah. not it does include China. And in fact, I'm, I'm willing to bet that two-thirds of those players are probably in China. Yeah, I, I wish we got a breakdown of the player base between North America, Europe, China, and South Korea, and the rest of Asia. Because I, as Altai said, the, the NA player base might not be huge. I really think the NA player base has plummeted, personally. But that's just a guess. See, yeah, we have no, we have no data. Somebody asked, what's, uh, what's more dead, League or Dota? I mean, Dota 2, if you look at Steam, uh, the peak players uh, in the last 30 days is 826,000. So the player base for League is about 10 times larger than Dota 2 right now. So it I mean Dota's eight hundred twenty six thousand peak is still pretty good, you know. Nothing, nothing to you know, nothing to feel bad about. The game's doing great. They they had one. Of the, I think they had the biggest price pool in esports history with the last uh, international. So they're still doing well. I just league happens to be ten times bigger, which is remarkable. Ten times bigger, indeed. So no, no, and it, I think it's still the biggest PC game in the world uh, yearly. If you look at it, people are saying Fortnite is bigger. Fortnite, I think, uh, hit eight point three million peak concurrent users. But that's if you count all the platforms, right? Which yes. is not exactly a fair comparison. If you look at the Fortnite during the Marshmallow concert with that uh, the DJ, they hit 10.7 million or so. So 10.7 million peak current users is all-time high for the game during some concert. And that includes, again, mobile, console, and PC combined. Yeah, I, I'd say it's definitely bigger than uh, Fortnite if we're mm -hmm. only looking at PC. PC. Yeah, so there you go. And 10-year anniversary, you know, it's... It's interesting what, uh, you know, this, this whole era has basically been the League of Legends PC era. You know, I think we are, it is kind of fading now, 
but it mm-hmm. basically defined, I think, the past decade of PC gaming. And it really, yeah, the same game people have been playing for 10 years, you know, it's like Le- Riot Games is still a one game studio. I mean, they, they work on a fighting game, clearly. They've, they've announced, they, they made some like me mobile games, but they're basically a one game studio and they've made all their money over all these years, over a billion dollars a year lately, purely on League of Legends, you know, this entire time. Do you think it's wise for them to make another game? Like, especially like a random fighting game? I <sighs> I wish they stuck with the one, the same, uh, what's it called? IP? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, League characters in there, yeah, exactly. Have a league characters, and uh, but I don't know if fighting games is the way to go, but we'll see, we'll see how they do it. I mean, I wish them luck. I mean, so far, no one's been able to take a fighting game and really bring it to the masses besides Nintendo. I mean, uh, Smash Brothers has been the most successful fighting game in the world. I mean, people say, Oh, I got Tekken, bro, Soul Calibur, bro. Like, the, the sales for those games are like nothing, you know. If you look at the total sales for like Street Fighter, even it's a couple million units, right? It's not high. I mean, any Smash Brothers game outsells all of those, so there's, there's there is no mainstream appeal fighting games it seems so i think if lee the right games have any success they have to somehow broaden the audience and i think fundamentally fighting games is a big design issue we've talked about this in the past before but i have a theory about why fighting games don't do very well why mobas do really well and why starcraft 2 didn't do really well i think when you're playing a fighting game they're usually one-on-one and when you lose to somebody in a fighting game you lost because they're better than you they won they beat you five times in a row because they're better than you there's no RNG in a fighting game. You lose because they're better than you. Guess what, guys? If you lose in League of Legends, you lose in Dota 2, you didn't lose because they're better than you. You lost because you have shit teammates. Nobody takes responsibility in League. I- I've played League for years. The- the number- no one says, you know what? It was my fault we lost. No, I lost because I have shit teammates. Everyone says, oh, you know, I'm in Elo Hell. You know, I should be like five ranks higher. The beauty of League of Legends, the beauty of the game design, is that there is room to blame other people. You can't do that in fighting games. You can't do that. And it, that's one of the reasons I think Battle Right couldn't succeed either. There's not enough RNG in Battle, in Battle Right. You know, it's basically all skill. All skill-based games like StarCraft II, Battle Right, and any fighting game is going to have a niche, small audience because people don't like losing, especially in this era. I feel, I feel like it feels in this era, it feels a bit more like people don't want to be told they're, they're people want people. Everybody wants to be a winner. Okay, and there's not a people don't like losing. You feel bad about it, and that's why I don't, I don't think any fighting game can ever have mass appeal. And that, the only reason I think, um, and, and and people would say, what about Smash Brothers? Here's the thing about Smash Brothers: the people that play Smash Brothers, it's very easy to like overlook the fact that um, you people in the chat, myself included, right? The, we play Smash Brothers. We play Final Destination, no items, three stock or four stock. That's how real men play their Smash Brothers. That's how discerning gentlemen play Smash Brothers, right? No items. If you you play with items, what the fuck are you doing, right? If you're a serious gamer, right? But I bet you 95% or more of Smash Brothers players use default settings. They play with only items on. And that's it. And and there's no skill then. It's literally RNG. If you lose in Smash Brothers, if you're an average gamer, you don't lose because you're bad. You lost because the guy got the star before you did or he got the stupid hammer and he one-shot you. That's why Smash does well. It's the RNG in the game. The people that play with no items, we are a minority. The people that are playing skill-based Smash Brothers, we're we're such a tiny minority of the game's audience. We got. I think we should come up with some technical terms for this uh, phenomenon you've uh, highlighted. Mm-hmm. Let's call it it's, so games where you can blame other people and deflect responsibility. Let's mm-hmm. call those ego-inflating games, and games where you have to just face the harsh reality that you suck and you lost are ego-deflating mm-hmm. games. I like that. So, we're, we're creating some new technical terminology here on the MMOs.com podcast, all right? Yeah. So for all you wannabe game designers out there, so that's it. You got to aim for a ego-inflating game. So even when a player, if the player wins, he won because he's amazing. But when he, when he lost, he didn't lose because he sucks. He's still amazing, okay? But everyone else 
messed it up for him. So that's the that's the mindset you got to instill in your player if you want to be successful. It's really true though. Somebody mentioned about you know uh, button mashing in fighting games. That can work to a degree, but again, like I played Canaris in uh, Smash in Street Fighter Five. I didn't take one one stock off him, but one like round, right? It's, it's best of three, not one round. We played for a while. So button mashing is not going to carry the game. If you have two players button mashing, I guess it's kind of random. It could work out, but there is something to be said about just playing a game and you lose because you suck. You know, e- ego deflating and ego inflating is very important. And look at all the successful games, even Hearthstone. You know, any card game is, is RNG. RNG-driven games have an inherent advantage of making people feel good. And the reason why FPS games, I think, appeal to so many people, Counter-Strike or any, any Call of Duty, any FPS game, because there's some degree of RNG when you shoot people. Every shitter in Counter-Strike, no matter how bronze you are, no matter how silver league you are, no matter how bottom of the barrel you are, everybody has a moment in Counter-Strike where they bust out of dust, one of the doors in dust too, literally hold down the left mouse button with zero aiming and get like five headshots out of nowhere. Of pure, and he feels like a god. For that brief moment, he was a god. And when he dies, he can always say, "Listen, he got a lucky headshot. Some bullshit. He pre-fired. Got he, lucky. I lagged." Is my favorite excuse ever. Yeah. So like, the, 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 in a game, the more excuses you can have, the better. Okay. Like, and you have so many excuses in Counter Strike. You can blame your teammates. You can blame your own RNG or their own RNG. In Lee, you can always blame your teammates. You have five teammates, you know, and it's so easy to blame any one of them. You know, oh, and, and not only that, oh, you never ganked my lane. Oh, the beauty of the league, too, is you can blame the enemy team. Oh, they, they I, we lost because my lane got camped, you know? Oh, the enemy jungle camped my lane. You know, how dare that guy? He's trying to win the game. He's trying to kill you. What? Who would have guessed? It's, it's remarkable. You can blame the enemy team. You can blame your team. You won't blame yourself. So very ego inflating. It, it's very important to design your game with enough RNG and enough blame to go around. The games that are the most successful have the most blame. I wonder if we can, how do we come incorporate this principle now into MMOs? So you have to basically <sighs> over reward or the sensation of reward has to be earned, but any sensation of defeat has to be minimized, but not too But here's the problem. There's no loss in MMOs, right? Yes. You still, you, so we have to reintroduce lo- the sense of loss, but at the same time, be able to deflect it away from you to the world. Yeah, but that's also another reason maybe why uh, like a lot of like Final Fantasy 14, World of Warcraft players, they don't participate in mythic raiding or savage raiding, you know? Because in those circles, right, people are always going to be... If, if, if People are going to quickly blame bad players. If you die in World of Warcraft because you didn't do a mechanic, you die in Final Fantasy XIV because you didn't do a mechanic, everyone's going to know. There's no hiding it. It's like, we die because you literally fucked up this mechanic. And they get blamed. And that's why a lot of casual players don't do that. And that's why I think, actually, it's um, the, 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 the player base that does high-end rating in any MMORPG is a very small percent of the overall players. And most players in any MMORPG are very casual. And they're casual because, you know, they don't want to feel like they're blaming people, you know? Everyone's winning in those games. It's well, always win, win, win. What about this? I have a suggestion, and this would only work for the DPS. Okay, in a mm-hmm. so think Final Fantasy or WoW, mm-hmm. the you know looking they're looking for raid like a mm-hmm. cute cute dungeons, right? At the, you know mm-hmm. how Overwatch is MVP and stuff. So imagine at the end of a dungeon in WoW or Final Fantasy, it says MVP top DPS, and it, it just lists him. It shows a picture mm-hmm. for, for, to everyone. It also, but it also shows the worst. Ooh. So everyone would at least try a little because they would be a little embarrassed not to be the one guy shown as being the worst in the group. It, it would never happen. All the, no? In this day and age, it can never happen. This idea, especially from Blizzard, who you wants you want to feel good. But you don't lose anything. It just shows It doesn't matter. You can't shame people. It, it, it would never happen. You know, everyone's about giving you that dopamine of feeling good about yourself. You know, and I actually hate when it is done in such a way where like the way Overwatch handles their, their system is like at the end of the round, you can like give three players like good teamwork, great like communication, like these three bullshit rewards, right? It is so frustrating. And like, I feel pandered to because 
the way that that system works, it rewards you for clicking people. So like at the end of the round, I would just give it to random people because you get you get experience for giving people thumbs ups. So it's like, hey, bro, here's a thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, thanks, bro. Here's a thumbs up to you too. You know, <laughs> as, as if it's gonna make us feel better, dude. Like you're giving me a thumbs up because you get rewarded for it. I don't give a fuck about you. I'm only giving you a thumbs up because I get rewarded for it. It's it's. I feel insulted when that system. Like, that system feels insulting to my intelligence uh, uh, to me as a person. If they just had a system where you can only give one thumbs up and it's you don't get some artificial reward of like, you know, why can't the reward be having a thumbs up? Why can't I be rewarded by you know somebody telling me I'm good? That would have worked just fine. But they're rewarding people with experience to give thumbs up. So or, everyone gives three random thumbs ups. Or we can fix that by you get a reward if you get a thumbs up, but not for giving it. So you yeah, only give it as fun. an actual reward. Like, oh, wow, this guy was really good. He deserves this. Yeah. But, but clearly the, the behavioral psychologists that, you know, uh, they're employed at Blizzard, they realize people want to feel good about themselves, right? And, and most people, I guess, cannot draw this parallel, draw this line of separation on why they're getting thumbs up. Like, I realize... The only reason I got a thumbs up is probably because most douchebags don't really care. They just get thumbs up randomly, right? But most people, when they get that thumbs up, they f- they feel good. For some reason, that thumbs up works. It works on people. You know, they do feel better. There are it, it, They've actually measured that that endorsement system has had a negative impact on, on, on in terms of their... Uh, it reduces their tox- toxicity. So it works. But on people like me, that I, I feel like I can see through the system, the design of the system, it feels insulting. I, I actually feel insulted when I feel like thumbs up are going around. You're like, it's, it's I don't know. I don't, it's weird. It's an altered sense of reality. Yes. So people are feeling, people are feeling good when they don't deserve to. That's exactly. <laughs> they don't deserve to feel good. Right? They gotta earn it. It's basically that. And it does bother. It really does bother me. You know what's insulting? Final Fantasy XIV. So says Chaos Shield. Not me. Twenty-seven Chaos months Shield. in a row. Much love, fam. Much love. It's, it's weird. So how how can we get more RPGs to fit this? mold better is there any is there any, i don't know it, it's actually one of the uh there was an interview with uh yoshi p in famitsu magazine right it came out on twitter a while ago it was in japanese it discussed the current rate here in Final Fantasy 14 you know, the expansion just launched and he talked about um the difficulty for this rate tier. okay so the difficulty in this rate tier was um was they actually made, they actually went out of their way to make this rate tier even easier than they usually do wow and, and, and they said basically um the DPS checks for the for the fights are typically like um, for the first set of rate tier, we, we typically reduce the DPS checks by 10% to, to ensure more people clear the content, right? Especially when expansion just launches, people are learning their class, you know, optimal rotations aren't always known. So they make the first set of rates even easier, right? But they said for this expansion, we actually reduce the DPS checks by 15%. So 50% 15, easier. 15%. So from 10, so go from 1, 0 to 1, 5, 10 to 15 is a is a 50% difference, right? Oh, in I that see. in that number. Okay. So they made it 15% easier, the DPS checks. And the reason being, of course, was to encourage more people to clear the rates. And of course, you know, being the elitist that I am, I, I'm a little frustrated by that because the, the direction of the savage rating seems to be going towards, you know, more more easy content. Rip. Well, I'm not surprised. Yeah. It's just the way it is. It's yeah, and and the, the the argument for that is of course more accessibility, and that you know the hardcore players they want they can do the ultimate content. So this content designed for like 0.01 percent of the players, they can still handle that. So I guess they, they still have a point there. It's not the hardest content in the game. So adding that in there to make so it. How many tiers are there for the, the 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 tier you're doing? So you know you fight that boss on a floating platform. Yeah. So you do it in Savage, right? Well, you, that boss you can only do in Savage, right? The ultimate is a different fight in it. That ultimate fight is only available in the ultimate stage. You can't do it in an easier mode. 
it's a different fight than the other fights. So th- there's a normal, there's normal mode, okay. and then a savage. Basically, that's it. So normal savage, and then there's a separate fight that's an ultimate, which is designed for, only for the hardest. Maybe they should add more tiers. Like Wild tries to please everyone. There's LFR yeah. tier, normal tier, heroic tier, and mythic. There's four tiers of the same boss. Honestly, I'm okay with that because I, I really do think um, like they could actually that's that's actually in a way a good system because even though you've been arguing for a long time, there's only one difficulty setting, right? And I see the pros and cons of that, but I really see the benefit of having uh, the existing fights just to scaled up, make like the mechanics that were like and there's a lot of mechanics in the current fights that don't one shot you, right? Then you're allowed to just eat and just survive, right? You get, you get damage down, you do a little bit less damage, right? But they could just scale them up in more damage and make DPS checks tighter, and people would have more fun. There are a lot of people that love running the same fights over and over again to get a better parse. But imagine instead of constantly fighting to improve your bullshit number on FF logs, which I do, by the way, is kind of fun. Instead of doing that, imagine the the mythic system in Final Fantasy, in, in World of Warcraft, where you know you keep unlocking higher mythic difficulties by doing the fights, where all that happens is the DPS shit gets tighter, and everything is more punishing. Everything requires a little more healing. And it, you can literally algorithmically uh, design those fights to keep players engaged forever, basically. It, it just seems like I would have a lot more fun. All the Savage players that enjoy doing difficult content would have more fun. And you can even scale it down for the easier players. It, it, everybody wins. Win, win, win. Yeah. yeah Final Fantasy mean, 14, do it. And I, I and we talked about this in person, too. I wish they would add uh, Mythic uh, Dungeons, where it keeps getting harder. Oh, yeah. It, it's such a good system. The Mythic... The, the World of Warcraft does a lot right, too, you know? I mean, we, we've shat on... Retail, wow, quite a bit, and just a lot of you know modern and more PCs. But like, they do a lot of things right in terms of design. They they implement you know in different ways. They they have a complete winner. Like, there's no reason for Final Fantasy XIV not to copy that mythic system in, in World of Warcraft. You can please everybody, and you give the and you told me that the mythic dungeons in, in, in WoW are designed to be basically be done as many times as you want. You keep unlocking higher mythic difficulties, right? Yes. So throughout the, throughout the Age of Expansion, uh, hmm. you can always just keep increasing your mythic uh, number. So if you if you if you complete a mythic four. Mythic mm-hmm. plus four dungeon, let's say, in time. You have a, you have a time limit, like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You will upgrade to being able to do Mythic plus fives, then plus mm-hmm. sixes, and plus seven. It never ends. It just keeps going up. That's awesome. So, again, you can you can basically hit the absolute limit of what you can do. Like you have a best-in-slot gear for every party member, and everyone is using potions at the exact same time and praying for the best possible crits. And then, like, it, it's fun to try to have a perfect run, you know? That sounds really fun, actually. And it's a way to keep yourself engaged in the game a lot longer. Like, I would love Final Fantasy XIV to have that, you know? It's a really smart system. Agreed, and it really does push. Like, I I think there's only like a very very you have to be a very elite to do these very high mythic plus uh, dungeons. Yeah, and, and and let it be told, I I don't think I'm like an exclusionary elitist or anything. I don't think there should be you know the majority of content should only for the elite players or something because savage content as is in Final Fantasy 14. You now people saying it should be done by pugs or it should be done by normies. Like as is, only 2.5 percent of NA players ever clear savage content. Okay, so 2.5% at any time at the, end of, at the end of a tier have cleared the fourth fight. More, more people have cleared the first and second fight, but 2.5% is not a big number anyway. It's already kind of a minority of player base. And I'm not saying we should only design fights for the, for the hardcore. Again, this, the idea of a mythic system, the way WoW does it, is you can, you can get the hardcore and the casuals and everything in between. You know, you, there, a casual player might be able to do a mythic one and mythic two. Maybe it'd be hardcore to get beyond that. It, it just seems like everybody wins. Yep. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not an elitist. All right, I, I do. I, I do like some hardcore stuff, but I, obviously, no game can survive on a hardcore audience alone. And I do see the benefit of having all the. I, I like collectibles in games too. I like cosmetics. You know, farming for that stuff is also really fun. So you can't have a game of just you know hardcore players. Such a game doesn't exist. You know, it wouldn't make sense. 
Alright, well, uh, moving on. I got a, a big uh, patcher announcement coming for Dauntless tomorrow. It's a game we haven't really played since closed beta, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. been a while. 2017, right? 2017 or 2016? I think 2017 it came out or 2016. Yeah. So September 26th, uh, this month, it's going to be leaving early access. It's going to enter 1.0. And I think this might be a good time to give it another go. We haven't really looked at it since mm -hmm. it came out. And it's trying, it's trying to be basically a free-to-play Monster Hunter-inspired game. Mm -hmm. And I believe it is now exclusive on the Epic launcher. Yes, and they're getting more players because of that, because Epic has been pushing them quite hard. And it really, there is no other Monster Hunter-esque games. And we've talked for a while, like, if you like boss fights, and you don't want to, like, grind... I mean, you do grind boss fights in Dauntless, but essentially you're doing, uh, like... If you never played Dauntless before, it's very similar to Monster Hunter. Basically, you basically queue for these hunts, and all the hunts are in the game, are basically fighting bosses. And you just kind of find the telegraphs of the bosses. It's action-oriented. You're just doing these boss fights, which are really fun. But my problem with uh with dauntless was early when i played it in beta was you basically farm the boss fights and they're really fun the first time you be the first time you learn a boss fight especially when you're playing with your friends just friends like four people co-op it's really cool you gotta learn the best strats doing it because the, the fights can take like 10 minutes sometimes or you know some crazy you know, long a decent amount of time and there's no you gotta like learn the telegraphs learn the attack patterns find the best way to do as much damage as possible it's really cool but in order to get new gear you gotta farm the same enemies over and over again the same bosses so instead of farming like Orcs, you're farming bosses, which is still more exciting, but it can definitely get a bit repetitive. But I'm sure they've changed a lot since I played. I mean, someone in chat mentioned that not a lot did change, and mm -hmm. I'm hoping that I'm not going to try until this, you know, this patch comes mm -hmm. out. And I'm hoping the 1.0 patch adds enough that it's going to feel new to me. So we will see. We will see. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think Epic it hasn't bought the studio yet. It just, mm -hmm. it's, you know, they just partnered up. But I think Epic should just buy them. I think uh, Rocket League and Dauntless are both good examples of the kind of game. And the variety of game you can make with uh, Unreal, so I think mm -hmm. you actually get an advertisement for um, for Epic in terms of look, our engine can do all these different kind of games. And they're really smart to have it free to play again. There are no other Monster Hunter like games that are free. I mean, I mean you'd, you'd think they'd be more like Chinese clones Monster Hunter, but there really aren't that many. You know, we've seen so many MOBAs, so many battle royale games. I guess designing a more action oriented game like Monster Hunter wasn't easy because again, all this time, it's really just Dauntless is the only free to play Monster Hunter like game. So good for them. They, they at least made something a bit different. And we've seen so many free-to-play games that are just copycats or me-toos or nonsense. But it's 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 different, and I think it's developed by Western Studio too. Yep. Uh, yeah, but you you don't you don't you don't want to play that Chinese Monster Hunter, uh, Goo Glu Goo. Uh, I did a video for a long time ago. It's literally Chinese spyware. Also you shut don't down now. It's shut down. Yeah, it's gone. It, it literally like after I played that game on the Tencent launcher, after I closed the game, I would get like Chinese shopping ads on my desktop. Like desktop, there's a pop out from the corner. I'm like, what the hell is this? And that game installed like all this weird Chinese spyware, and it was through the Tencent's own launcher back then, which is weird. So yeah, a, a lot of people have had this issue too. If you search like Tencent uh, Monster Hunter Online uh, spyware, it, it really does come with spyware, which is bizarre for you know a Tencent title or a big budget game. So that reminds me, it might be time for me to reformat because uh, the other day I opened Internet Explorer for the first time in a long time, mm -hmm. just to you know, you know, sometimes you go to a website it says you read your free articles. So I, yeah. I, use, I use a different browser when that happens. So I, I exhausted my browser, so I tried Internet Explorer. As soon as I opened it, the first thing I see is some Chinese portal, web portal. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And, and there's no way I went to that site, you know? You got hijacked. Your browser got hijacked. So got some, homepage. Some, some bullshit pirated program or something I have installed hijacked my IE. And I, I never knew because I don't use IE. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so something to worry about. Speaking of Chinese spyware, I got one more story. Because I, uh, I did my first video for Eternal Magic Altai. I bet you, you barely heard of that game. But the first look is on, uh, on the YouTube channel. And uh, it's a Chinese developed. It's by Duyi. I'm not sure if it's the same Duyi that has the, the Twitch-like website in China, but it's by Duyi. And it's like this 
WoW slash Alice Online clone. And after I installed the game, it installs through the 101 XP launcher. It's some Russian uh, publisher. The game is available in English in North America and Europe. The game itself, you know, was was okay. But I'm pretty sure the launcher is like spyware because once you have the launcher, I had the launcher running for about three, four days. And I just left it running because like, why not? Like, I installed the game. I was going to play. I didn't get around to it. After like four days of leaving the launcher running in my background, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go play Eternal Magic now and do my video for it, right? First look. And I got a, the fifth day, I got an email from Cox saying, you are near your bandwidth cap of one TB. I'm like, that is not possible. I, I, on average, I spend like 300 GB or 500 GB a month. I never get close to my bandwidth cap of one TB. So I look at my usage and, oh, what do you know? The four days I left the launcher running, I, my, my, my bandwidth is like 300 gigabytes per day. So the 101 XP launcher with Eternal Magic just literally uploads content nonstop like without telling you nice so it's basically spyware so if you install the game make sure you uh do not leave the launcher running and close that shit as soon as possible speaking of launchers i doubt rockstar is doing this but rockstar yeah. is now launching its own launcher isn't that exciting Ooh, that's that's just what we need we got the we got the steam we got epic games we had the my.com launcher what a joke EA, we got EA Origins, Yay. we got Ubisoft has one. All right, listen, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you. For all the marvels, do you remember the name of Area's launcher? Ignite. Yes. I'll tell you remembers Area Ignite. That launcher. Okay, I'll tell you. For, for even more marbles, do you remember the EG launcher? Anyone in the chat, remember what the EG launcher was? I remember. I know it. It wasn't the EG launcher. IJJI, yeah. It had a name. I thought it was EG. Was the, Let me think. No, it's not just EG launcher. That's R. It's a different one. That's Perfect Worlds. Glyph is no glyph is for uh, art for Tryon. Fusion? No, you're close! Canaris, you're kinda close. You're so close, Canaris. Okay, the answer was reactor. It was reactor, called the reactor. Right. Okay, the EG right, yeah. reactor launcher. Yeah, fusion was so close. Fusion was basically like the right answer. Fusion, fusion reactor. reactor, there you go. Yeah, it was just reactor. But yeah, we've had so many launches over the years. But it looks like uh Rockstar has got their own, but it's for their own games. I don't think are they gonna be Selling other games on there no, or no? no? Just for their own games. And it, honestly, it makes sense. When you think about how much Grand Theft Auto V is sold on Steam, mm -hmm. I mean, they're giving 30% of that to Steam for nothing, you know? And they're not going to be removing uh, their existing games. But I do suspect GTA 6, if that ever comes out, uh, will be obviously an exclusive on Rockstar Games Launcher. And that way they'll, they'll just make, they'll just save, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Mm hmm. Yeah, and the my.games my launcher will also be on Steam. Nice. That's what we need. A launcher on a launcher. We got some uh, Inception shit going out over here, boys. And of course, they're not going to... If they put their own games exclusive on their launcher, no one's going to be playing, you know, Revelation Online or Skyforce. They need the distribution by having it everywhere. But just what we need, boys. More launchers. Uh, speaking of launcher drama, Borderlands 3, I'll think. Remember all that nonsense about, oh, Borderlands 3 is on Epic Games? Fuck Epic Games. You know, it's going to fail. No one's going to play Borderlands 3 because, you know, Epic Games... Hear about that, Altai? Hear about the recent I, news about that? I, well, I, don't, I didn't hear the recent news. Recent news, Altai. Borderlands 3 uh, PC doubles uh, Borderlands 2's peak concurrent users at launch. So the peak concurrent users that Borderlands 2 had, Borderlands 3 at launch has doubled those numbers. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised either because people are, you know, I don't think most people really care what launcher it's on. I, I do find it weird look, that people are so loyal to Steam, you know? I, I, I don't care about Steam. I don't care about Epic. I, I'm going to go wherever, you know? Like, these companies don't care about you. Don't care about them. You know, don't give your loyalty to Steam or Epic. You know, these companies want to make money, you know? So, it's weird to see loyalty on, on, on that degree. Yeah, also, Especially from the distribution platform. I feel like uh, Epic is being way too generous with these free games, though. Like, I think they some weeks now we get two free games. And they're mm -hmm. some of them are decent games. Like, I got Celeste for free. 
I actually paid for Celeste like a year ago, which in, in hindsight I regret because I could have got it for free. But there's some good games I give it for free, so you guys should be checking out those weekly mm. uh, epic titles. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to like the convenience of it, but like the, the, the stance that people take, that it, it doesn't really matter. It just irks me a little bit. Like the loyalty to demonstrate, like, oh my God, I only play games on Steam or something. Some kind of betrayal for the game not to be on Steam at launch. Like, it's weird. Again, I, I prefer the convenience too of Steam, but people take a very personal like attack when a game is only on Epic for a while or something. It's because it's, it's, what's remarkable is like if you actually care about the game, right? If you actually are loyal the Borderlands as a franchise. Like, you love the game. You want more Borderlands games, right? You would want the game to be on whatever platform to make the most money on. Like, like I love Persona, the Persona series, for example. Like, it's a JRPG series. You know, I, I played and beat through Persona 5. Love the game. Love Persona 4 and 3. Like, if they can make more money being on X platform, good. I want more Persona games, you know? I want Atlas to make money off Persona to make more games. Like, I've done it for Dragon Age as well. I, I remember I pirated Dragon Age, I beat it, and then I bought the game because I, I want to give them money. Like, if, if I care about the game and I want more of that game, I want that suit to make more money. It's just weird. That, like, are you, it's weird to see people loyal to a platform like Steam when like, they don't make games. It, they're just platform. It's just very odd. I think the bigger danger of these third-party platforms like uh, uh, Steam or Epic is as more and more of these you know, publishers or developers make their own thing, like, you know, whether it's Rockstar Launcher, Bethesda has one, Activision Blizzard has one, and and now Call of Duty, by the way, is going to be on Activision uh, a Blizzard launcher. I think the mm-hmm. problem is going to be there's not going to be much left, you know, uh, for for Steam to host besides these you know small indie games. That's true. Everyone's going their own way now. Yeah, like Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six is one of the biggest games on Steam. I can't imagine future Ubisoft games being on Steam when they could when they have their own launcher. Yeah, they'll ease people into the like they're clearly easing people into the into their own launchers. I, mean, I can see like. This game being on there, and then maybe the next game, they'll, they'll be exclusive on their platform for like the first few months, and then maybe add to Steam later as a distribution platform. And they can even make it so the game costs ten bucks more on Steam. Oh, you don't want to pay ten bucks more? Or right, just buy it on our own launcher. You know, they can make their own launcher more appealing in a side by side. So clearly, they're pushing more people off. They want every company wants people on their own platform. They don't want they don't want to be relying on Steam. Well, I mean, I don't, and I, don't, I can't blame them for that. You know, thirty mm-hmm. percent. I mean, at least be, Epic is taking twelve percent, but uh, some of these guys take a big, big chunk. Mm-hmm. All right. What else we got? Uh, that's that's true, side one. Again, uh, if, if you promised your game to be on, you know, Steam, like the way Borderlands did, yeah, I agree. That level, that you should not lie to your customers. Okay, that's a slap in the face for your loyal users. That that outrage, I completely understand. You know, a game company should not communicate one thing and then do another. You know, it's just kind of a douchebag move. Oh, there was a funny case. What I think, uh, Meatball, Super Super Meat Boy. As a, meatball, a new, super meatball, super, super meatball. There's a new ver- game coming out. Yeah, and they said they're going to be Epic exclusive. And there was an interview with the guy mm-hmm. making it, and he's like, "Yeah, they just offered us so much money uh, that we'd be stupid not to do it." So, that, and, and a discussion. You guys are, you know, too bad if you don't like it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I appreciate that level of honesty. You know, yeah. a lot of people kind of like tiptoe around this issue. Like, they don't like talking about money. Developers don't want to say like, "We just got paid to do this," right? For some reason, it's always bad to say like, "You did something for the money." You know. It, it does. It does seem kind of like iffy, right? But like, be honest about it. Be honest with. It. I think their users would appreciate the honesty more too. This diplomacy is really silly. Here you go. You want honesty time, guys? Go to mmos.com right now. Do you see that giant Travian ad? We have an ad for Travian on mmos.com right now. It's a browser pay-to-win game, strategy game, absolute duker of a game. You pay, you get all the advantages. Hey, they're paying us like I don't know, thousand bucks or something to put that ad there. You know, like they gave us the money. We'd be stupid not to take it because the ads are going to appear there anyway. We might as well show what gives us the most money. You know, this game's been around for 15 years, apparently, which is pretty nuts. You know, even on the, like, 
even on the official like news post I put up for this game, I didn't have to, by the way. They basically said they basically gave us money to put the ads up. I don't have to give any additional coverage if I don't want to, right? That's like optional if you want to. And they sent me like, hey, we have a 15th anniversary. If you can cover it, it'd be nice. You don't have to though. So I put up a news article saying, hey, you know, they're celebrating the 15th anniversary. By the way, the game is hella pay to win. You know, it's it's weird. That the, it's Actually, pretty crazy how pay to win they are. I'm going to defend Travian. All right, go ahead. Okay, I think that this whole the genre is boring, right? Browser strategy games. But if hmm. you're gonna if if you like that genre for whatever reason, I would recommend the German games, Travian being one of them. Inno Games makes a couple of these. Yeah. Over the Chinese ones. The Chinese, yeah, yeah. Because there less... is actually a limit in how much you can spend. So you you, you can buy these like, like for like ten dollars a month, twenty dollars a month. Or you buy these certain buffs basically, right? But mm -hmm. that's it. There's no inst like, You can't just pour like a million dollars into it and just win. Okay, that's fair. That's a good point. So there actually, is a cap actually in how much benefit you can get from okay money. that's actually worth clarifying because i don't because clearly travian is not nearly as pay to win as the chinese ones yes and a lot of the other browser-based ones because in these games there is a limit you can't pour a million dollars the way you can a lot of games so you can pay for an advantage yep. but you can't pay for like an infinite advantage so you know good for good for travian right i, I feel better about running their ads on mmos.com now yeah so I, I think i think it's it's a mistake to, to blur it with the chinese so these mm -hmm. german companies were i think the first ones to come up with this Travian is one of the earliest of these. This game came out in 2004, guys. The same year WoW launched, the browser-based strategy game Travian launched. Yeah. So initially, this was the model, right? Where everyone plays, and you can pay for a, a, a percent boost. Like, and that's it. And then I think the Chinese came, swooped in and just copied that and just turned to shit like everything else. You know. So they, they made it like, I think, one of, Ebony, Ebony, Ebony was one of the first of these uh, Chinese ones or Asian ones. And they just kind of destroyed the model where... There's no capped spending now. There's no balance. There's no, there's nothing. I'm, I'm actually going to clarify that news article. I did forget. I, I did. I do often blur the line between Travian and some of these other ones. So I remember another earlier one, Astro Empires was one of the first ones I played back in like 2005. It was a text-based one and it was, you could still pay for like subscriptions, but that was it. I'm not sure what the game is like now, but like mm -hmm. these, these games are actually not bad. The core gameplay, I think is kind of fun in Travian and, and really even the Chinese ones. But the problem, of course, in the Chinese, in the whaling ones, you can just spend infinite money and it ruins the game. Yeah, I think a lot of um, that whaling stuff does come from the East, you know, Asian games. Mm -hmm. And it is corrupting a lot of the studios here now. But I think initial, what, I don't remember, I, didn't play, I haven't played Travian in, you know, like nine years. But uh, back then, at mm -hmm. least, it was it was capped how much you could spend. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll clarify the news post for them. Good for them. Japan does do actual whaling, as Canary says. That's true. Uh, these Chinese games are always uh, pretty infamous about it too. Even on Eternal Magic, again, it's kind of like a WoW clone. I was looking at the cash shop in my in my first look video, and they sell like bikinis in Eternal Magic that give you like stats, like cosmetic bikinis with stats on them. So you know when your when your costumes give stats, there's gonna be some you know pay to win stuff. And Chinese games are always like, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, are there any like Chinese developed MMOs that are like really clean in terms of their their monetization? Probably. It just seems like they really fit the stereotype that they're always all like maximum sleaze. I think Scarlet played is Korean, isn't it, Canaris? Pretty sure it was Korean developed. I don't remember though. It was I know it was an area, but I'm not sure. I think it was I forgot who developed it. But, I got a fun story. So mm -hmm. we know that uh, WoW is gonna be fifteen year, years old this uh, year, and they released mm -hmm. their classic server. But there is another fifteen year old MMO uh, celebrating its fifteenth you know year anniversary and releasing a classic server, and that is Dofus. Ooh, it's oldie. Yeah, 15 years. One of the few French-developed games, too. That's right. Um, and they're launching a classic server. And I don't know what's changed over the years in Dofus. I never really got into that much. But if for those of you who kind of grew up with this game, who want to play retro Dofus, know that there is a new server uh, coming out. It'll be open at the end of September. 
So if you can relive your doofus experience. The name was always funny, I gotta, I gotta say. Doofus, uh, it's, yeah, one of the few French-developed MMOs, because obviously there are French-developed games and everything on Ubisoft. I always thought Doofus is doofus. Yeah. And it's also one of the only turn-based uh, games of its kind as well, so good for them. You know, it, it does it does spice things up a bit. Did you hear about that concert, Altai, in uh, Adventure Quest Worlds, I think? I have not. What happened? Okay, so you know, like, everyone talked about the Marshmallow concert in Fortnite, right? Yep. So the, the guys that make Adventure Quest are like... Uh, you know, we're gonna we wanna be cool too, right? So they, they hired like some ultra boomer band to like be in their game. I'm trying to see who it was. Uh cons I think they hired corn. Yeah, they hired corn. Wow. K O R N. Haven't heard of that in a while. Yeah, so they're doing a concert in Adventure Quest. I'm gonna link that. Yeah, it was corn. So it just it just Fortnite's got all the hip kids with marshmallow, you know, and then we got the boomer times with uh with with artist entertainment and and this they wanna do their own concert. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, is Korn still popular? No clue. I mean, that name rang a bell when we were in high school. I, I would hear it once in a while. Do you listen to Korn? Korn is all. I mean, I, 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 I didn't know they were still like popular or even still around nowadays, you know? Dude, get your own Korn. They haven't put anything out recently. Okay, so like, it, it, it's interesting. It's very, very boomer-esque. Their new album slaps. Does Dragon Force still put out new music? I remember in high school, all time we listened. To, we would we would put them through the fire and yes. flames on while playing Maple Story <laughs> and World of Warcraft. That was our jam. Okay, we listened to random Dragon Force uh, playlists. Do they still put out new stuff? All time I don't know anything about music. We don't really listen to music. Is Dragon Force uh, still cool or is it cringe now? That's a I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was kind of cringe when we were listening to it too. But like we liked it. Yeah, we did. We did like it. Were they ever were, were they ever cool or were they always kind of cringe? I have no clue. I mean, we weren't cool enough no to know what was cool, so Yeah, we were we were kind of nerdy in high just a little bit nerdy in high school. You put on dragon there you go, Sidewinder, exactly. AQ AQ World was the shit in sixth grade. Core was the shit in the second. Wow, oof, they're real old then. There's this other like rock metal band or something, Sabaton. They do like historic songs that are kind oh, of. Cringe. Oh, I, I like those. I, I've listened to those recently. They got really? the. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what is it? I like the. The Winged Hussars? The Winged Hussars. I like the, the Samurai one, the Sword and Steel. It, I, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen to it too, but I, th I think it falls in the cringe category. I got to tell I, you. I, most definitely, but I like it. Again, this is from two people that have no taste in music. I, I, I can't name like. I, 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 I can name. Like three of the Beatle people. Okay, I got. Hold on, three. John Lennon. Okay. It's only one I can. So, so, something McCarthy. Paul McCartney. Paul, Paul McCarthy. Okay, hold on. We got this out there. Do, do, do I have a third one? Do we got there's five, right? I, I have no clue how many there are. <laughs> I think there's five. I know one of their wives, the one everyone hates. Who? Is it Yoko Ono? Never even heard that name in my really? life. Really? Yeah. Huh? She apparently she broke up with the Beatles. That's all I know. I don't know how or why or who, what, where, when, but that's the line you hear. Oh, so I got two so far: McCarty and John Lennon. There's five, right? All right, let's move on to the post game. Okay, post this game. Seems we'll like see post game more Beatles. All right, so thanks for watching, and uh, stick with us, and we can talk about nonsense. All right, later for YouTube.